Now, as always, uh, here at London City Presbyterian Church, we are meeting together for worship on the first day of the week, aren't we? We are meeting together like this to praise the name of Jesus, and we are doing so with seven days, with this new week that's kind of stretching out in front of us just now. Now, as we begin our sermon, this is the question that I want to ask you. As you think about the day this coming week, what is it that's on your mind? You know, as you consider the seven days ahead of you, what is it that you're contemplating? What is it that's kind of looming large in just now? What is it? I mean, is it some sort of, is it a work thing? Is that a work scenario? Is that what's occupying your thoughts? Is that it? Maybe it's a family situation. What is it that's there? Well, friends, this morning, today, we are going to consider as Christians that in amongst all of those thoughts of the week ahead should be, must be, thoughts of Christian discipleship. That really, in so many senses, the very purpose of your life today It is Christian discipleship. Do you see that? That even this week ahead, you are called as a Christian to be, and you are called to be making disciples. Now, with that in mind this morning, look where we are. We come to Mark chapter 3, a very sort of famous portion of scripture, isn't it? Where Jesus... He calls to himself, Jesus appoints 12 apostles. Let, let me say the obvious thing that I need to say, okay? We ain't apostles, are we? Okay? You can argue with me if you want later on, but let me say this, none of us are apostles. And these were a unique bunch of guys. But despite that, what we do learn here in these verses is really the beating heart of Christian discipleship. Do you see what I mean? Like, with these guys, with these apostles, as our template, as our pattern, as our model, we really have here a picture of what it truly means to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So I wonder, do you see what the hope is this morning? The hope is we turn to Scripture, we study these things. What does God do? The hope is that he prepares you. He prepares me to go out and to follow Christ as we enter this new week. That's the hope. So, i tell you what, let's turn back. If you've got your Bibles there, turn back with me to Mark's Gospel. Mark 3, if you can, have that open in front of you. Well, think of a few headings here. Things we, we see in these verses. First of all, consider the subjects of discipleship. That's what I want us to think about, this, the subjects of discipleship, okay? What I want you to understand is that what you've got in front of you is actually the beginning of a new section of Mark's Gospel. And it is a beginning that really shows us the structural genius of this book that we are studying. I wonder if you see what I mean by that. Like, if you think about the previous section that we had, now that started about smack bang through chapter one. 
Now, it started, the previous section started like this. It had a summary statement, and it was followed by the calling of men. Do you remember the, the calling of, of men to be fishers of men? Do you remember we looked at that? Well, that's how the previous section began. It began with a summary statement, and then the calling of men. Now, look at what you've got in front of you. Think about what we're dealing with, the start of a new section. From verse 7 to 12, what have you got? You've got a summary statement. And what is that followed by? It's followed by the calling of a group of men. Do you see? It's exactly the same thing. You see the, the structural genius of this book that we are, that we've got here. Now, for our time together this morning, we're not so much going to be looking at that summary statement. Instead, what I want us to do as a congregation just now is to really zoom in on this appointed in these 12 men. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three ends at this point. Three ends for Norman uh, on which you can hang your hat just now. Okay, so let's think about these 12 men, the calling of these 12 men. First of all, I want you to think about notice the nature of their calling. Do you see what I mean? Like the, the manner, the nature of how they're called. Um, you know you know as well as I do that if in the ancient world, if you wanted to uh, follow a teacher, what would you do in the ancient world in the first century? You, you wanted to be someone's disciple, what would you do? In the ancient world, if you wanted to follow a teacher, you simply made that decision. You said, right, let's see, we're in the wilderness and we hear John Baptist preaching. You know, and we like what he's saying. What do we want to do? We want to follow him, become his disciple. We just get on and we do it. Now, here's my question for you. Is that what you've got in front of you in Mark 3? It isn't, is it? In fact, that whole idea of choosing to follow someone is entirely reversed, isn't it? Look at this. These guys here, these 12 men, they don't choose to follow Jesus. What happens? He makes the decision. Jesus calls these men. There's a, there's a larger group, it would seem, and he looks at them and he identifies 12 men and he sets them aside. Do you see what we've got? We see that discipleship is God's call. It is Jesus' call. So you've got the nature of this discipleship, right? And a second end, said there was three, the second end. Think about the number of disciples here. And with this, I've, the boys and girls are going to have to listen to me because I'll give you an answer to one of your questions on the worksheet. So you listening? It's a really, really easy question, isn't it? Do you see what it is? How many apostles were there? I'm not trying to trick you. Easy question. How many apostles were there, boys and girls? How many? Twelve. Fantastic. So there's twelve apostles. What does that mean? Like, what what would that have meant to the Jewish mind? Twelve. The number twelve. Twelve. Wouldn't it have had them instantaneously thinking in their minds, going to what? The twelve tribes of Israel. You know, the twelve tribes of, 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 of Judah. Now, come on, are you telling me that that's an accident? Is that just a sort of coincidence that Jesus is appointing twelve people? It's not. Do you see what we're getting here? We are getting an insight into the very purposes of God. Like, why had Jesus come? Why was Jesus here? What was he doing? He was creating a new nation. Wasn't he a, a new people, a new community? And what are these disciples? What are they? 
They are the nucleus. They are the very foundation, the core of this great and new and true Israel of God. He chooses 12 disciples. Third end. Consider the names of his disciples. Have you ever been to um, a school reunion? I've never been to a school reunion. Do you know what? I'm never going to go to a school reunion ever, I don't think. Because these things, from all the reports you get, they always seem to go the same way, don't they? You know, you go along and you leave thoroughly depressed, you know. You're kind of meeting former classmate after former classmate that's got it sorted. You know, they're looking great and they've got a wonderful family and they've reached the, the pinnacle of their profession. These are guys who've got it sorted, right? Is that what you've got in this list of apostles? I mean, think about it. Are these guys here, are they the, the creme de la creme of society? I mean, if I was to ask you to, to, to pick out for me the leading politician amongst them, would you do that? Could you do that? What about the surgeon or the doctor? That's there? Can you do that? No, why not? Because they're not there. This isn't the elite. This is a, this is a, just a bunch of ordinary guys, isn't it? I mean, these are just sort of working class, ordinary, run of the mill type blokes. And I think because of that, we should truly be inspired this week. I, I, I really do, because think about this. Not only are they ordinary, these guys are flawed, aren't they? They all have, if you think about it, clear and obvious flaws. Just let me ask you to do that. Would you scan the list? Who have you got here? You've got Peter. You've got a man who would go on to deny Jesus. You've got Thomas. You've got a man after all these a man who would go on to doubt Jesus. You've got Simon the Zealot, a man who's known for his political insurrection. You've got James and you've got John, men who are renowned for what? Their bad temper. Do you see this? This isn't the elite that you've got in front of you, is it? This is a rogues gallery, man. This is a motley crew. Do you see why it should inspire us? Friends, it's because what you see in Mark 3, if you're a Christian, this has happened to you. Hasn't it? Let me ask you this. What has Christ done for you in your salvation if you are a Christian? What has he done for you? Hasn't he, from the multitudes down at the lake, hasn't he called you up the mountainside to himself? Hasn't the Lord Jesus Christ done this? I mean, hasn't he identified you? Hasn't he chosen you? Hasn't he called you? And what has he called you to? Do you see it? He has called you to this glorious and beautiful nation that he is building. He's called you to be a part of his very own church. But I'm saying to you very often, doesn't it 
feel that we lose sight of that calling. Maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you feel just so utterly inadequate in here. You know, maybe you feel as though you're just so trapped and so entrenched in your sinfulness as you come into church that you have lost sight of this glorious discipleship. Have you? Do you not look at these guys? Does it not invigorate you? Do you see what Christ does? What does Jesus do? He calls people like you. He doesn't call the... The elite. He doesn't call the superior. He doesn't call the excellent. What does God do? What does he do? He chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He calls the broken and he calls the limited people. He calls the, the people who are absolutely defective and he chooses these people to bring glory to his most holy name. I think we should be enthused this morning. Enthused for the week ahead. Look what you've got here. He chooses people like us, weak as we are. This week, he has chosen us to follow him. So we see the subjects of discipleship, friends. Secondly, we see here the schooling of discipleship. So that's the second heading. We've got the subjects of discipleship. But I want us to think about the schooling. Now, do you see what we're doing? The first point, we saw something about who it was that Jesus called to be apostles. What we're going to do here is look at the first part of what it was that these guys were actually called to do. So we've seen who it is. He's called these ordinary guys to follow him. But what was it that Jesus called these people to do? To answer that... The first part of it, what I'm going to do is read the start of verse 14. Now, you can if your Bibles are open. If you're awake, you can read along with me. So the start of verse 14. And we're asking, aren't we, okay, what, what is Jesus calling these men to do? It says, Jesus appointed twelve, designating them apostles. Why? that they might be with him. Leave it there. So why is Jesus called these 12 apostles? That they might be with him. What does that mean? I mean, what, what to be with Jesus? Like, was it just a call to intimacy? Do you see what I mean? Like, was it just, right, okay, I'm going to identify 12 men to travel with me. You know, share things with me and experience things with me. Is that, is that what it be with? Well, yes. I mean, certainly that is part of it. Of course it is. But what I need you to understand is this idea here in Mark's gospel of being with Jesus, it means infinitely more than that. Okay? Um. I was remembering this week an instance that happened when I was in seminary in Edinburgh. Um, it's a few years ago now, but you know what it's like with students. We were sitting in the common room and really we were just, just having a laugh, messing about. And to be honest, what we were doing was just taking the mickey out of each other, okay, for a sustained period of time. And uh, I... Remember what I said to one of my colleagues. I sort of just threw away in jest, said to him, 
you're nothing but a disciple of John Piper. Yeah. You know, now you know who John Piper is, do you? John Piper's that sort of former minister, retired minister in the United States. So that's me and Jess. That sort of you're nothing but a disciple of John Piper. Now, what justified that sort of insult, this guy? Well, this boy loved John Piper, man. I mean, loved John Piper. You know, he read everything that John Piper had ever written. He probably read it, each book, probably five times. And he listened. I'm sure that he had listened to every sermon that John Piper had ever preached. He probably knew them all off by heart. Now we sort of think, oh, wait a minute, what was he doing? What's his, what was he trying? You see what he's doing, don't you? I could call him a disciple of John Piper because he was trying to learn. That's what he was up to. He was trying to just soak up, try to be taught in everything, try to soak it all in, wasn't he? That's what I need you to see. This idea in Mark's gospel of, of being with Jesus more than a call to intimacy, what is it? This call to be with Jesus was a call to learn from Jesus. See, what you've got to understand these 12 men that we are focusing on today, they are soon to be sent out into the world, aren't they? They're going to be sent out by Jesus. But this is the point, and I want you to get this. That doesn't happen here, does it? I think about what you've got in Mark chapter 3. Jesus doesn't call these men up the mountainside, identify 12, and then say, right, guys, on you go, out into the world. That sending out, we're in chapter 3, that sending out into the world doesn't happen for ages, man. It doesn't happen to well into to chapter 6. Do you see what first has to happen? This group of 12 apostles, they have to be readied, don't they? They can't just be sent out into the world. They have to be prepared. They have to be taught. Do you see it? This calling to be with Christ It's a calling to be taught to learn from Christ. And what I want to say to you all this morning is that if you are saved, if you are a Christian this morning, then that same calling, it exists upon your life just now. Do you see that? You as a Christian are called just now to be learning from Christ. You could say That the essence of this discipleship, of your life this week, in essence, it is to learn from Jesus. Are you hearing me? Now, wait a minute. Look at this. This is is the idea. We are to learn from Christ in our discipleship. How do we do that? Let me give you a couple of practical realities here. Okay, two things. You hear them? One, if you and I are going to learn from Jesus, you and I, we have to listen to Jesus. You see, what happens in these chapters, chapter 3 to chapter 6, in the interim period before they're sent out and they're being equipped, what happens is awesome, man. Because these disciples, you know what they get to do? You imagine this. They get to travel around with Jesus and they get to hear him. Imagine it, getting to hear Jesus preach. You can picture it, can't you? These guys, you know, just having left their lives behind them, they're just hanging on every word, you know? 
They just left their life behind and they're just, they can't believe they're soaking it all up. Don't you see? That's what we're supposed to be doing. You and I, at this point in our lives, we are supposed to be avidly listening to Jesus. Now, we do that. Isn't it obvious how we do it? What do we do? We sit under the preaching of God's word. And friends, I'm saying to you what you already know. You and I are incredibly privileged in the 21st century, aren't we? Like you and I, we can go out this week, we could go home, and what can we do? We can listen to all manner of preaching. We can listen to all kinds of sermons online. Put that to the side for a moment. I'm encouraging you to do something different. I am encouraging you to listen to Jesus in the life of his church. Do you see what I'm saying to you? Friends, I'm pleading with you to be here to listen to Jesus. See, I ask you this. What happens tonight? What happens tonight? You ready for this? What has Christ promised us? He has promised us that in here, Christ will come. That tonight, he will be in this place. But what else has he promised us? You ready for this? He has promised us that through the preaching of his word, what will he do? Tonight, he will be here and he will teach the people of God. So we listen to Jesus. There's a second thing. How do we, how do we learn from Christ? The second thing, we must surely, if we're going to learn from Jesus, we interact with Jesus. Now let's say that you go home after the service, right? Well, I know that's going to happen, but let's say you go home, then you, you have your Sunday lunch, and let's say that you were going to sit down with these interim chapters, chapter 3 to chapter 6, and you would read them. Do you know what you would find? If you read the next few chapters, you would find a few of the most intimate, and I think sort of moving moments in the Gospel of Mark. Okay, now what happens? Well, see, that surely you see by now in this sermon series that there's massive momentum in Mark, isn't there? I mean, he is moving. Like, he's moving at pace. Now, there's certain points in the next couple of chapters where that momentum just slows down to nothing. And do you know what happens? Do you know what we read? These 12 guys, they get an opportunity to do this. To ask Jesus questions. Don't you think that's lovely? Don't you think that's incredibly intimate and personal? Like, Jesus takes them aside. He moves these guys, just them. And he gets, sits them down. And they get to ask him questions. Lord Jesus, what do we do with, what did you mean when you said that? Lord Jesus, how do we take this and how do we apply it to our lives? Do you see it? But friends, don't you see that there is what you and I must be doing? These guys were to learn. They were asking, weren't they? We need to do this. If you and I are going to follow, embrace this discipleship, if we are going to learn from Jesus, what do we do? You and I must be praying people. Do you see that? We must be beseeching Christ, begging Christ this week to explain the the gems, the glories of the gospel to us, to, to, to teach us how to live out this life of discipleship. Do you see that? Do you see what you've got here? Do you see the fact that you, as a believer, have been called to be with Jesus? 
You have been called to be with Jesus. But that is a call to learn. And then the third thing. We've seen the subjects of discipleship. We have seen the schooling of discipleship. The third thing is let's consider the sending of the discipleship. The sending of discipleship. Okay. We've seen who's been called. Twelve apostles have been called. We've seen that the first part of what they've been told to do is to be with Jesus, to learn. I just want us to look at the second part of what it is they're called to do. So do, if you would, look, I'm asking you to do this with me. I'll read it. You you follow through. It's verse 14 again. So we've seen the first part. What does it say? What's the second thing? Jesus appointed 12, designating them apostles. What does it say? That they might be with him and, and that he might send them out. <laughs> What's that? And what have we got? Well, we're seeing, aren't we, the, straight away the reason why there has to be all this teaching and listening to Jesus. Why? Because these guys, they themselves are being sent out to teach other people the good news of salvation. It's kind of simple. Tell you what, though, it's just one aspect of this that I just want to focus on as we come in to close. I don't know if this is what it was like for you uh, when you were younger. See, when I was a kid, a little kid, my family always had the same routine on a Saturday. Oh, it's just the same. Like, when I was a wee boy, absolutely without fail, we would do the same thing every Saturday. And what it was, was we would see my dad go outside on a Saturday afternoon, to the driveway, and he would fix the car. <laughs> Every Saturday! I was sort of thinking about this this week. I was thinking, that means we bought some really, really awful cars, you know? If every single Saturday afternoon, my dad needed to be fixing the car. Now, okay. Um, the reason I say that is that there's one sort of, you know how you've got these sort of precious childhood memories, you know? There's one there for me. Because when I was a really little wee boy, I don't know, like five years old or something like that, it changed, the routine changed, and my old man came in from the driveway, came through to where I was, and I play my toys, and he says, Andy, do you want to come and help me? <laughs> Couldn't believe this, you know, stop playing with my toys, I'm going to get to help my dad fix the car, and I'm so chuffed. So there was me, I can imagine that I was no help whatsoever to him as well, you know. But there was me underneath the car, sort of pretending that I was fixing it, looking at my dad. I'm helping my dad, I'm helping my dad. Isn't that what we've got here? I mean, isn't that what stands out in Mark chapter 3? See, I'm asking you, if we as a congregation, were to try and sum up the content of Jesus' ministry so far in this book, what would you say that Jesus has been doing? So far, Mark 1 to 3, what would you say he's been doing? Wouldn't you say he's been doing two things? What's Christ been doing? Preaching. Yeah, preaching in the synagogue, preaching down by the lake, definitely been doing that. What's the other thing you say he's been doing? 
He's been healing and driving out demons, right? So you've got two things that Christ has been doing. Now, look at it. Look at verses 14 and 15. I'm asking you, what are the apostles being sent out to do? Do you see what it is? It's exactly the same thing. These guys have been called to do what? They're being called to preach, and they're being called to drive out demons. Do you see the staggering reality of what you've got here? These ordinary men... These 12 men, they are called to assist in the very work of Jesus himself. These 12 bog-standard men called from nothing, from their sin, and called to join in with a mission of a holy and infinite God. And isn't it? Isn't it incredible? Isn't it? What I want you to see, though, if you're a Christian... That that same reality is yours. Do you see it? Do you? You go out into the world this week, and if you and I we go out and we seek to follow Christ, we seek to learn from Christ, listen to Christ, tell people about Christ, we seek to witness to Christ, we seek to do all things for Christ. What is it that we are doing? Do you see it? We are sharing in the work. God himself. Isn't that something, doesn't it? Push us out into the world, doesn't it? You and I sharing in the work of our Lord and our Savior. That is thrilling, isn't it? Now friends, there is such positive news in the calling of these apostles. I want to end with this. There is also a most solemn note struck here, isn't there? Because it ends with a name. Judas Iscariot. And we are reminded that there was darkness ahead. We are reminded, aren't we, that there was to be a betrayal. We are. We are reminded that there was a side to Jesus' work that the disciples could not share in. There was a side to this work that Christ and Christ alone could do. You see it, don't you? Yes, he called the disciples. Yes, he taught the disciples. Yes, he would send them. But do you see what he had to do? He had to go and ultimately take the place of the disciples. He had to die on the cross for their salvation. So I'm ending with this question. Friends, listen to me and think about this. Are you, this morning, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you? Are you a forgiven follower of Jesus? Are you? Come on, are you? If you are, praise God. Hallelujah. Because understand this. You're not an apostle. But this week you are called to follow Jesus. You might not be an apostle, but what are you? Do you see what you are? You are today because of the blood of the Lamb. A citizen of this new and this perfect Israel, 
of God. He has chosen.